This is The Journeys Podcast, and I'm your host, Mark Stolo. Today, I'm talking with Derek DeBraga. Derek's training is in mindfulness and harm reduction approaches to behavior change. His goal is to introduce you to practical skills that can facilitate growth and connection with yourself and others. How do we silence the inner critic that is holding us back? I want to talk about this idea of the bully that lives inside of our mind. And I think it's something that's familiar to a lot of people. A lot of people are moving through their world with this inner companion that oftentimes doesn't have a lot of nice things to say about them, about the world around them. And a lot of people start to feel bogged down by that voice in their head. I sometimes think of it like the two um, elderly gentlemen, the Muppets, you know, mm-hmm. sitting, sitting, <laughs> sitting in a state of constant criticism. And it's hard for people to adjust to this feeling like, well, can I just turn this off? Is it like if I just had enough of this inner dialogue that's telling me about what I can't do and what I can't accomplish and I'm not good enough for that and everyone else is better than me. And so many people are familiar with this. I know in your own practice, you meet people day in and day out who are living with these inner voices. Talk about what your professional experience is like working with people who are struggling on how to relate differently to this inner bully. Yeah, so uh, talking about my professional practice and how I've seen this play out in some of the people I'm working with is is just as important to talk about myself in that private practice and talk about the people I'm working with because I don't think that this idea of the bullying mind is exclusive to people that are going to seek out help or to that are struggling in some way. I think all of us have uh, this bullying mind to some extent. So it was obvious to me when I started seeing it in other, started seeing it in other people, it's easier to pick up on the things, certain qualities in other people than it is to see those qualities within ourselves. So I started noticing that a lot of the people I was working with were struggling with this self-criticism, were struggling with uh, ideas or limitations about themselves that I didn't always see. And that was really surprising because I would see a great potential in a lot of the people that I was working with. And at first, early on, you know, in my career, I would really try and make the effort to help them see themselves the way that I saw them and just kind of bring that out. And I was a bit uh, dumbfounded at times and saying, like, how could you not see, you know, how courageous you are, how uh, kind you are, how um, thoughtful you might be. And then I realized that it's, it's, it's much more important. There's much more to it than just having them see those qualities. It's about working towards practicing and embodying those qualities because you can tell somebody that, oh yeah, you're really kind or yeah, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. And that only goes so far. So what I was saying earlier is that then I started to realize that I have been doing that same thing my whole life or most of my life. And that was a really uh, a significant kind of aha moment that, okay, that this is something that I need to address in myself in order to continue to kind of practice what I preach. And then that voice becomes louder and louder. Once you start to pay attention to that voice, it kind of, you notice that it's there maybe most of the time. Uh, And for some people, it's there all of the time. And for some people, it's maybe um, there less often. 
But as soon as you kind of shine the spotlight on it, it's, it's hard to ignore. So I started seeing that in myself and in my practice and even just in friends and family and got interested in trying to figure out what we can do to make that uh, voice a little bit less um, present and uh, remove some of the control from that kind of bully or that voice in our head. You talk about becoming aware of that voice and I, for the sake of managing expectations, we are not talking about the eradication of that voice. I think there are some false promises out there in, in certain paradigms or in certain ways of thinking that we can eliminate that voice entirely, that that, that inner critic is somehow something <clears throat> that we can just completely remove from our lives. Whereas what I hear you saying and where I th what I think is the more modern and sensible approach is how does one relate differently to those thoughts in one's mind that that sound like a bully the obvious question that arises from that is why do these voices exist in the first place if i'm the author of my life if everything about my life is being created by me why is is there is there this con content in my mental river that is polluted <clears throat> that is unpleasant why would it exist in the first place? So why does it exist? Why is it something that just seems to naturally appear or emerge out of our consciousness day to day? Yeah, that's a good question. And I don't think it just appears or emerges. I think it's a progression of experiences over our lifetime that kind of get snowballed together and create this idea of the self over uh, our lifespan. So this this voice in our head is really a younger version of ourselves that is either misinformed or misguided. And at one point was there to protect you. At one point was there to kind of help steer you in the right direction. But over time, if we don't address the language or the words that that voice is saying, uh, it'll kind of con continue to repeat some of the same narratives. It might continue to repeat some of the same warning signs that are no longer useful. So based on our life experiences, based off of different relationships, some of the things that we've lived through, that narrative is going to take shape. And I guess what's most important for me and what I learned through the practice of mindfulness and through working with lots of people over the past nine years is that the more we attend to it, the more we realize that those, the, that narrative no longer has our best interests in mind in the present necessarily, we can challenge it. We can learn to kind of challenge it by relating to it. And what I mean by relating to it is almost like getting into a relationship with it, acknowledging that there is a version of yourself in the past that needed to work itself through certain challenges and that that narrative in one way or another helped us do that. But now that we're kind of moving forward and overcoming different challenges and dealing with different relationships, it's almost as if we're one step ahead of that voice and we need to get back in the driver's seat. So that narrative could be, could create a feeling of holding us back or um, not being good enough. And we can kind of overcome that by appreciating its significance at one time, but also saying that, okay, this is how I want to move forward. This is 
how I want to kind of progress into the next phase of my week, my day, my life, whatever it is. You said something that I thought was incredibly insightful recently, and I, I thought maybe it would capture the essence of, of what you're getting at in, in this journey around taming the bullying mind. And you said, I want us to explore what it means to be conscious of the self rather than self-conscious. Mm-hmm. Or you described it as transitioning from self-judgment to self-awareness. Talk about what is that paradigm shift from the feeling of self-consciousness, which I think we all understand, that feeling of you go into a room and, oh, everyone's watching me. Or, or um, oh, that person's so much better than me. I hope I don't embarrass myself. Or any other train of thought where you feel very contracted around the self. Talk a bit about that, cha- that shift from self-awareness and living in self-consciousness. Like contrast, what's the difference between the two? Well, I think one, this, this self-consciousness that a lot of us uh, deal with is a, critical, is a critical mind, is a critical analysis of who we are in the world, in our relationships, kind of like I was saying before, it's a way of protecting us in one way or another. It's a way of kind of keeping us safe in an environment that might feel uncomfortable or uneasy. So there's this critical mind that's kind of constantly saying, watch out, look out for that. And that causes us to look at ourselves in a limited, in a limited way. And if we can acknowledge that, and if we can adopt this idea of awareness in that, we can almost expand the possibilities and venture into places or relationships or ways of thinking that are outside of what we thought was possible. And I think that the idea of creating this self-awareness is tuning into what we're feeling, tuning into that voice, but also being separate from it, not necessarily over-identifying with it, but acknowledging it that it's there, and then making the necessary shifts to either step beyond our limitations or the boundaries that we've set for ourselves, or even just sit with what is uncomfortable and allow us to kind of experience new thoughts, new experiences, new relationships um, in a way that keeps us moving forward. In terms of some of the things that we want to challenge in this journey, one of them is this idea that whatever yourself is, however that's defined, that's the limits of you. It doesn't get better than this, right? This is as good as it gets, so to speak. And that phenomenon unfolds, it seems, as more people become much more identified with that self. They get very identified with that inner voice. Oh, if it's talking inside my head, it must be me. And whatever it's saying is the constraints and the boundaries of who I will be for the rest of my life. And obviously that then lends itself to pattern behavior, right? Playing out similar routines because the nar- the start of that narrative, that character that you believe yourself to be, be is playing out the same script the same role in an ongoing way is that really the fundamental thing that you're trying to challenge in this journey that there is much more to you than you're currently imagining yes i I think that's a fundamental piece of this journey i think what's the way that i like to define it or describe it is that it helps to encourage mental flexibility and maybe the way that we're talking to ourselves in our mind uh, has a bit of truth. And maybe that's okay. But can we be flexible to alternative ways of seeing ourselves? Can we be flexible to 
the changes in our mood, the changes in uh, our experiences from day to day. And if we can be flexible with all of that, maybe we can be a little bit kinder to ourselves. Maybe we can be a little bit more understanding. And maybe we can continue to be more aware of the fluctuating realities of our mood and the way that we see ourselves. Because it's never going to be straightforward for, for anybody. A lot of us struggle with this idea that one day we're feeling quite good about ourselves, the other day we're quite critical. That's a normal experience to have as a human, but can we kind of ride that wave of fluctuating experiences and acknowledge that that's going, that might be our human condition to varying degrees again, but adopting that kind of flexibility helps us acknowledge that we don't need to be put into a box of who we thought we were in the past or who we maybe should be in the future. So it allows for more movement. And I think that makes a more pleasant experience on the day to day. I like the analogy of the the waving. And I think it's validating for people just to hear and to normalize the idea that yes, your self-perception, your mood, your thoughts are going to shift and change sometimes daily. To your point, some days you'll wake up and you'll feel like everything is firing on all cylinders. And some days you wake up and you feel like, you know, you have six feet and they're all moving in different directions. You know, yeah. I sometimes described it as like the sensation of being like an octopus. You got all these arms and they're just not, in, they're not coordinated. On this journey, when we think about the analogy of the waving, it sounds to me almost like this journey is the surfboard. It's the tools that you're going to share with people about how to ride these waves. Talk a bit about some of the tools that you're going to introduce on this journey that help facilitate this movement through these waving patterns in our lives. So a lot of the tools and the practices are going to be grounded in awareness, grounded in a mindfulness type practice where we can tune in and listen to ourselves. I think that's really important in this journey, whether it's through journaling, whether it's through practices of seated kind of, we'll call it meditation. It is a meditation, but it's more kind of quiet listening, being attentive to the thoughts in our mind, to the feelings in our body and the language that we use to describe ourselves. And even in some, in some instances to describe the people around us. So doing exercises like that kind of really narrows the focus or, or allows us to be more attentive to those um, background noises that often influence our thoughts and our behaviors. And by doing that, by staying more attuned to that, we can really be more directive in our approach to dealing with it and more directive in our, in our lives, maybe allowing us to be more assertive where we need to be uh, or more accepting where we need to be, depending on uh, what we're dealing with. What would you say to the person who's listening to this, who's thinking, oh, that all sounds great, but um, yeah, I, I can't get there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, my mind is, you know, my mind is just a clouded place of self-judgment and self-deprecation and negativity. And I don't think there's anything that you can do to help support me moving out from or moving to a place of greater self-compassion. What would you say to that person who's who's having that thought right now? I would say give it a try because we've all had that thought. We've all been in a place where our, uh, our limiting beliefs have kind of projected 
this idea that we won't be able to succeed in the future. And anybody that's ever taken the steps towards change has gently or maybe even more aggressively pushed through some of that negativity, pushed through some of that those limiting beliefs. So give it a try. There's nothing to lose. You're going to embark um, on this journey. You're going to get to know yourself a little bit better. You're going to learn to listen, learn to be kinder to yourself. Um, and if at the end of the day, that voice is still there, you'll know you're normal. You'll know you're human. And think even just accepting that can allow you to feel a little bit more comfortable in your skin, can feel a little bit more confident going forward and facing anything in the future. Keep on exploring. Derek invites you to go on a huddle journey and uncover how to tame the bullying mind.